0: Welcome to the Dental and Mental Podcast. I'm Dr. Galen Dietrich.
1: I'm Dr. Davina Dietrich. And here we are. Here we are back again <laughs> for another week.
0: Episode eight, I believe. Yeah. Right? Yes. Kind of crazy.
1: Okay. I have a question for you.
0: Uh, ask. Okay. Here <laughs> go we for
1: go. It. So, from behind the scenes, you know, obviously I live with you. So, I see all the things that you have going and things that are continually added to your plate. Okay. Okay. My question for you is how do you expand into new responsibilities? Cause you're a person that I've watched be able to be able to hold more and carry more from the clinical side, from the business side, from what we're doing with thrive and other personal projects that you have going on. How do you as a clinician, as a business owner expand into holding more responsibilities and Mm -hmm. not let them crush you?
0: It's a very good question. And thank you. It's very kind of you. Uh, I'm watching
1: it in real time. So I think it's really fascinating actually.
0: I think you have to be willing to kill your darlings. I think I say you have to do it. I'm a DIY kind of guy. I like doing things myself. Uh, some of it's probably an arrogant side where it's like, I can do it better. You know, that's just honestly the way I've looked at some things. And then you realize that actually, no, I can't do it better. And so when you decide you want to take on more responsibility or more opportunities fall into your lap. The only way you have a capacity for more is if you let go of more. And so you have to either delegate that, stop doing it, put it into somebody else's hands. Um, But yeah, you know, you don't get to keep juggling all of those balls. You really have to, I think, let go of something. And I think that's killing your darling sometimes. You get, you know, kind of enchanted by what you were doing and you got to let go of that in some capacity.
1: Uh, I feel like that's really painful sometimes
0: uh do you yeah. feel,
1: do you feel that it lightens like it like it releases something or do you feel like it's painful
0: no i think it's I think it's painful, and I mean most of that I've learned from you quite honestly
1: What does it mean to kill your darlings
0: well even that phrase I learned from you I think it was hemingway right yeah. right then uh I remember the first time you ever told me that, and I think I was doing some sort of like graphic design something rather for for thrive and was getting really wrapped up in it and very much like this is so so cool but it was taking hours just hours and to make a micro tweak and show you and i think by like the fifth or sixth one you're like bro like i see nothing different no one else will see anything different you are infatuated with your own little product right it's my darling and there was so many other things to do so many other tasks that needed to be done And I was getting into the drippy, drippy of, you know, how cool and sexy this thing is and consuming my time, energy, focus. That happens at every level. You know, I I think about even the way I practice. The way I practice, I am trying constantly to make my workflow more efficient. And to do that, you know, little onesies and twosies can cloud up your schedule. And they make it a mess. And so doing more comprehensive total dentistry, you have to let go of doing some of the smaller things, which means at times you're going to have holes in your schedule.
1: Yeah, but those ones and twos were never anybody's (laughs) darling.
0: You know, say that to, um,
1: Um, obviously. Say it to the Biomimetic. World. Wow, was that, I was going
0: to like. Can I say this without?
1: <laughs> I, well, I was thinking as soon as you said it, I was like, say it to the biomimetic world. No, nothing, nothing against no. you. Do you fall in love with that one tooth? But it's it's the love. I, I actually love. really like looking at those cases, but. I could never love a single tooth that much.
0: I would be very hard to love one tooth that much. I mean,
1: Bravo, if you have that capacity, speaking of capacity, (laughs) you have to really, you know, expand your heart. (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh, you really do. I mean, genuinely some of the most talented artists, really. I mean, I look at just like you do. I look at some of those cases and I'm thinking good grief, you know, like that is talent. And, and and in all the respects, I mean, the photography and, and the recreating cussable anatomy and everything, you're just like blown away. And that just doesn't do it for me, never would do it for me because it's such a small, narrow focus on one thing. And while I've done that in many areas of my life, the more I've kind of up-leveled, the more I want to take on, the more responsibility, you know, and the more grand the vision becomes. Yeah. So that would be yeah. There are some people who love the ones and twosies.
1: All right. Well, I stand corrected. <laughs>
0: um, but uh, but yeah. No, I, I think that's I think that's really the case. Now that kind of brings up probably a, another question, which is when a person is faced with a decision like that of killing their darling, what do you think and what do you see? going through people's minds. What is the fear that they're going to lose or give up? Walk me through that.
1: Well, I think so. I think for you, I mean, you and I were just having this conversation the other day about the first seven years of thrive. Yeah. And I look at it like a week, right? Seven to us. Really? That's a, that's a completion number. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't go on and on. It really looks like that's the first chapter. Of a book, yeah. and now we're stepping in. Especially what we're doing with Thrive currently, it's a new chapter of a book. Yeah, everything is changing. Obviously, the things that we built upon, the the, the foundational principles, get to come along, but everything else is up for renegotiation, mm-hmm. reimagination, right? And so I was telling you this past week that feels really hard because there was so much magic that happened within the first seven mm-hmm. years of yeah. Thrive.
0: Yeah, you were telling me that.
1: And so really sitting down with that and thinking about all the things that happened within the first seven years of our business and these memories that were absolutely mind-blowing and stuff that you would only dream of at one point of your life actually being able to get to do.
0: Right, right.
1: And then closing that chapter and starting new, there, it's, it. you have to be able to hold both things. There's such a gratitude and it does feel really painful. And there also is the, question mark of the unknown as you step into the next seven years. Like, you know, transparently sharing, I was telling you, like, is it going to be the same kind of magic that we experienced in the first? Is this mm-hmm. new idea that we have that we're birthing going to be as extraordinary as what we've already created? Is it going to be a masterpiece on top of a masterpiece or do you only get one? <laughs> right? right. So I think going through that again, personally, really understanding that they're is so much that you get to bring and also so much that you have to leave behind if you care about a reinvention.
0: What's the difference between change and an evolution of sorts? And I guess what I'm getting at is uh, we're going through an evolution, right? We're, we're taking, I loved your your analogy of a book. It's We're starting chapter two. And so it's still the same book, same brand, same all that. I was actually on a call this morning and, uh, with the media team and they were asking me that like, are you, are, are you looking to rebrand everything? I'm like, absolutely not. Like, love the brand. We just want to take it up a notch. So that's where we're at. But I think there's also lots of changes people will go through almost confusing them for evolutions, meaning like progress, like taking a step forward, where they might just shift something, change something, and it can almost be like a busyness. Do you think there's a difference between those two and, and how does it show up?
1: Oh, for sure. Evolution is in service to a vision.
0: Mm, there is like a
1: very clear direction that you're going and you understand that all the things that need to be removed in service to the vision. And it becomes very easily, it comes becomes easy because you're not paralyzed by choice. Okay. You've already okay. decided that this is what the vision is and so everything that isn't congruent with that gets to be plucked away. Change is like, I actually don't have a vision, so I'm going to throw a spaghetti at the wall and let's see if it sticks. And if it sticks, maybe it's meant to be. And if it's meant to be, maybe then I can build around that thing that's meant to be. It's a very yeah. haphazard. It is not fully thought out and people can feel that.
0: Okay. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment and see what you throwback at me here so a lot of the ways that i'll create whether it's graphics for thrive or the big vision or courses that we're outlining that we're we're taking on whatever it is i do a lot of that spaghetti at a wall but for myself i guess right i'll try something and put it on paper put it on my screen take a look at it tear it apart And I go through these iterations and iterations until finally something just speaks to me. And it's like, that's it. That's the thing. What's the difference between what you just described, change? Because I I definitely see one where people kind of keep circling around, just throwing stuff in. It's chaotic, right? It's definitely chaotic building, quote unquote. Versus figuring out the vision. Figuring out what it is that's going to speak to you.
1: So I think that there are iterations, right? So that's true we do things in iteration but there still is a direction a north star to somewhere that we're going. Mm-hmm. That is very different than shiny object syndrome. Maybe I'll try this. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know where I'm going. I hope it hits, but there's no there is no north star.
0: I love that. Actually, I really love that. Bright shiny object syndrome versus north star. Both shiny. One's taking you somewhere. The other one's just distracting you. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry, I really like that. You better write that down.
1: So that's how I think about those two things in contrast.
0: Okay. Okay. You know...
1: And and I will say this too. I don't think that there's anything wrong with throwing spaghetti at a wall because sometimes that is how you can discover the vision along the way. Yeah. Right? So for me personally, I'm accused of being like just a trial jack-of-all-trades. <laughs> I don't look at it that way. Each thing that I do builds upon the last thing that I did.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's really true for you actually. And you know, gosh, anyone that looks and judges the process is looking at a small sliver of a window into like, what it is that you do, right? What your process actually is. And they'll judge that moment or that thing or that, or that result. You know, there are things that we've tried That didn't work. Didn't work at all. And you can easily give up or you can easily listen to other people's opinions about that thing. Or you can trust your North Star. And you're like, this was part of an iteration.
1: I think it's easier to trust the North Star for yourself personally when you're working on building something when you're not looking for validation.
0: Mm. Yeah, I
1: think looking for validation will get you caught in the cycle of seek, do not find.
0: Validation too is interesting because it's not just people. I think that's the way we think about it. Like, you know, getting external validation from your peers or, you know, what people thought about that post you put on Instagram, whatever it is. But you can also be the metrics, right? They can be like, well, and we've talked about this actually. Like there was a point in time, was it about a year and a half? I guess it's about a year ago at Vita. And I had been doing a lot of seed planting, with some larger cases and my January, February were terrible in terms of like production that I'm used to. Right. And so it was one of those where you kind of start to think like, well, the results that validation isn't there and Tell you know, tell me, tell the peeps what you told me during that time. Cause that was an interesting like moment of potential doubt, but I think you and I both kind of knew what we needed to do. And, uh, yeah.
1: What did I tell you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds that is good. That Sounds is actually good, one, one of the things about you, isn't it? You tell your clients this all the time. She'll have like this, I'll listen to a call and she'll be just dropping some knowledge. And there's these like aha moments for people. And then they'll be like, can you say that one more time? And she's like, the moment has passed.
1: <laughs> I, I won't repeat it. I won't repeat it. because <laughs> She I can't remember no, it. No, I won't repeat it because I don't know what I said. That's what happens when you're in flow though, right? And flow is right. You're in, you're in the thing. It's like asking a river. Can you stop and turn around? No, I cannot. <laughs> no, going, I am flowing. We are going this direction. You either get in, hit record or take notes. I don't know what to tell you.
0: Uh, yeah, that's, that's truly, really, really true. Well, especially when you're, you know, I think when you're plugged in, right. You and I both, we, we trust very much that God would give us our next step. And we will guide our, our our path. And so, when you're plugged into that, you don't know where the river's taking you. Sometimes, but you just you just go where it flows.
1: So, what did I tell you?
0: Well, it was interesting because the <laughs> the staff at Vita love them, um, absolutely love them. In fact, probably I think a few of them listened to this. So I got to be careful not. <laughs> they said, uh, you know, we need to almost have like an intervention for Doctor D, and they were worried because the production was dipping. And Devin was crushing and there was a thought of like, well, maybe we need to change the way he's doing things. And so I'm known in the office a little bit more for the comprehensive total health approach to a patient. Devin and I both do that, but that's more like my forte. Like if it's like, if there's a complex case or complex problem that comes my way. And so I'm putting those pieces together and I'm creating this big treatment plan. And usually these you know cases are, they're definitely more expensive than your ones and two these because there's more going on and they're like maybe you just focus on doing some ones and twosies you know maybe we just go smaller versus the big ones because these big ones aren't saying yes and it was an intervention of sorts like changing the way i look at things was kind of the way i interpreted it and it was certainly meant in love but i thought to myself i don't want to do that so i came back to you and i said you know i was at home one night and kind of telling what was going on and the intervention of sorts that had happened. And you're like, what makes you come alive, what makes you really love doing what you what you do, get excited, is looking at a problem, a big problem, and saying, I can fix this. And I can take this somewhere different. And I think you're you're brightest words were like you have to have faith that these things they're just seeds planted and they will sprout but if you change the game plan now and you get the bright shiny object syndrome or you look for validity from somewhere else outside of you you're going to essentially shut off the nutrient supply to those seeds you planted and they will never sprout yeah right you said it probably way more succinctly it's probably like get your shit together now
1: (laughs) yeah well so yes the way The way I describe it is walking through a hallway. Can you hold the void when things don't look like they're working? Mm -hmm. Because that's actually... So full circle back to the first question that I asked you. How do you expand to be able to carry more? And I loved what you said. It's carrying more opportunity. How do you expand to be able to carry more? And part of it is, can you hold the void? When things look like they're not working, are you the person who is like, shut it down, turn it off. I'm going to go do something else because... I don't actually have the emotional capacity to hold things when they're difficult, when they look like they're not working. My nervous system gets the best of me and I shut everything down and I go back to what mm-hmm. seems like the rational thing to do.
0: Well, validity works two ways as well. Like we're talking about this more from like void, right? You're you're not getting the positive reinforcement. Your numbers aren't working out, whatever it is. This is when the thing's... That's really critical about the way Thrive teaches. Like we teach the skill sets, got to have those, got to have the ability to actually go, you know, make something happen, what you train to do, but you have to have accurate data sets and the data sets are there to measure what you're doing from a skill set perspective. And those are hard and soft skill sets, right? It's just as much knowing how to prep a class two or veneer versus, you know, also knowing how to present it, how to communicate it to a patient. How do you measure those things? How do you measure them to make sure that they are doing what they're supposed to do? And then the mindset piece, so skill set, data set, and then the mindset is knowing how to discern, right? And keep going in the void, but also to know when maybe something that is quote unquote positive may not be positive. I'll give an example. If you're booked out six to eight weeks right now, you might see that as a good thing because you're in demand, and a lot of docs, that's kind of like a holy grail is like, I don't want to have a Swiss cheese schedule, I want to be booked out. And that sounds really good. And it can be good for a time. But in our place, in our in our city, we get patients all the time who are coming to our office because they can't get in anywhere for three, four, seven, eleven months. Right? That's not a good wait list. That's actually a bad problem to have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And people don't see it that way. They, they feel like I'm so popular. And that's so easy for any and all of us to, to think, but that's where the mindset comes in. You have to be able to look at those numbers, those metrics, and say, if a person's waiting more than a week to get into our office, that's a problem. And so what do you have to do? You have to create, engineer, synthesize voids in your schedule. And Devin and I do that. We have a very, very productive schedule. But if we don't put those voids in, we will start to dry up on the new patient flow. And when that dries up, you'll burn through all the ones that are actually on your schedule and then you'll have a bunch of non-productive days and you're sitting there just kicking yourself because you didn't you didn't honor the void. You didn't create one. And it's scary, but it is so necessary.
1: It's so necessary and it is to speaking to the mindset part of it, you have to expand to be able to hold that. Mm-hmm. Most people can't hold it. And if they can, it's only, you. right? It's like working out. It's like, okay, I can only hold it for one hour block. I can right. only hold one hour. I can only hold a one hour void per day. Even that, it's like, okay, well, that's four days. If you're working five days, what's four to five hours a week? I don't know if I can hold the void for four to five hours a week when I know I could put production in there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Those things added up and, co- and compounded over time a rational person is going to think there's no way, there's no way I can do that. I'm just, they just look at all the money that they're losing. Right. 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 So to hold the void actually takes an expansion of the type of energy that you can hold the disappointment that you can hold the pressure that you can hold. It trains you to be able to do something different.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, that's what happened. It was two months of like, going back to that story. And then, Month three just started picking up in April was lights out. Just nasty. It was like almost three hundred thousand dollars in production in one month. Because those seeds sprouted. And I just held that energy. And then the team was like, Oh yeah, like this is great. This is awesome, you know? Let's do more of this. And it's like, yeah, that, that is what you have to do. Um, that brings up an interesting conversation that you and I had earlier this week, actually. You made an analogy between two things. You made a comparison between two things that I had never made before. And genuinely, if you're listening to this, this is like, to me, it was somewhat earth-shattering. I thought it was so cool. You were talking about what makes our marriage good. And you were asking me, like, what makes it click? And we talked about that, and I'll let you fill that in. But then you made a comparison to the financial side and how people will give up way too soon and that they don't see the two as connected they don't see a relationship and how that works or business or money they don't see them as the same thing they don't treat them the same way and so give a little insight into that because i thought that was such an interesting and fascinating approach i mean just genius what did i say oh no don't do that (laughs) to me again (laughs) I quit guys, I quit. Well, you know,
1: it's like, I'm not even, be- I'm, I'm 100% serious. I, oh, I, I know say and think things I know. in the moment and then I do the thing. So, I mean, I, maybe I should write more things down, but here we are.
0: Well, here we are. I'm going to give her some more magnesium and we'll be good to go. Um, okay. <laughs> I'll just, I, I, I'm just going to wing it y'all. Okay.
1: Well, like so get us started. Like
0: you were, so you asked me, you're like, what makes our marriage good? What makes it work, right? And and I think you actually phrase it this way. You said earlier on in our relationship we had some rough patches, some yeah, rough spots.
1: Yeah, early on. Yeah, early on in our marriage, mm-hmm. it was like rocky.
0: Yeah, rocky. Yeah, right. Like for just a not, whole host of reasons. Yeah,
1: just like not clicking.
0: No. Yeah. And then you said it's it's been great, not for like a day, um, but for years. We've really, I, I think to the point of this conversation, evolved into a into a better, and I, I feel very blessed by that, very grateful for that. But you asked me why. Like, how did that happen? And do you remember what I said? Tell me. <laughs> I said that we began to, A, lead ourselves first, and because we both chose to lead ourselves, we weren't waiting for the other person. When you're waiting for somebody else to show up, when you're waiting for proof to show up, when you're waiting for evidence, you'll wait forever. And what's really sad about that place is that you're not passively waiting. What you're doing is you're actively hesitating. Two very different things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Passively waiting for something is a trust. There's seasons in time where you passively must trust. Passively waiting is holding the void holding the void but most people are actively hesitating in other words it could be um let's say we had a pattern we had a pattern of um me keeping score and um you saying uh, i need you to go first i need you to lead our family whatever
1: this is all hypothetical
0: hypotheticals never happened but if gotcha. it were to we would Correct. we would know who we were talking right. about <laughs> Good old Jim. <laughs> um, and what if you're in a situation like that? You will you will actively look for evidence to prove why you shouldn't take the first step. Why you, it's important that you keep score. Why it's why the pattern needs to repeat. That's a really dangerous place to be in. But that's most marriages, sadly. Well, be, that's most relationships,
1: for sure. Because you want to be right. Age old being uh, and people people can't recognize that initially and they wouldn't say that it's true. Oh no, I would gladly give up my need to be right in order to have X. No, you actually wouldn't because the need to be right is the protection for the disappointment.
0: Yes, amen.
1: Right, It's, it's highlight and
0: underscore that it's
1: like if I didn't get that, well, that's okay. At least I was right about not getting it. Oh, okay, well. Um, I would really like you to plan an amazing dinner for us. Can I trust you to do that? Sure. Yes, I can do that. No, you can't. Then -hmm. you forget. It's a night you work late. See, I was right. I don't have to be disappointed because that's really what I am, but I would be too vulnerable to say I'm disappointed. So instead, I'll curl up with the fact that I was right about you all along.
0: Right, right. And
1: that's what we get instead of playing full out.
0: You know, it's it's self-preservation too. Right, for I really see selflessness and self-preservation on two sides of the spectrum, and because self-preservation, it can be what you just described, it can also be that you don't want to look at yourself. You know, you don't really want to see like I was talking to a doc the other day, and we were talking about how that's that's the truth of skill sets. It's easy to say, "Oh, I could get better at implant placement." And you go to a course and you learn a tangible skill set, a hard skill set. feels good. It's a lot harder to work on soft skill sets because you have to look at yourself. And if you were to record yourself presenting treatment, you'd probably be abhorred. (laughs) You'd be terrified of what you listen to. For all of us, it's, it's like, wow, we don't like watching ourselves on camera. We don't like hearing ourselves, especially in those moments where we kind of suck at something. But you don't get an immediate result with soft skill sets, usually. It takes time. It takes a lot of trust, it takes a lot of faith, it takes a lot of hard work, it takes a lot of holding the void. And I think we can have disappointments in ourselves where we're out of integrity and we'll look for those in other people to make ourselves feel better about being out of integrity. Oh, for sure. So there's so much of this, right? There's all this stuff swimming around in terms of relationships. And what you were saying is, isn't that also true for money? Isn't that also true for finances? Because you would ask me, you're like, if, yeah, essentially, what, what what would make you stop? Like if things were not responsive at all in a relationship, right? How long would you give it? And it was a really interesting question because we're committed. We made an oath to one another to death to us part. And in in our world that is a promise you carry to your grave. That's what we're going to do. And so there's a commitment that's like binding, right? We're not getting out of this thing. We will work on this no matter what. But do people take that same approach? If you take it to your relationship, do you take it to your finances? Do you take it to the big visions that you have for your business, for your life, for your lifestyle? And I think the answer we both came to is no. Even in our own lives sometimes, that's very true. Where you have a bit more of a, I tried it, didn't quite work out. That's right. not our approach towards our marriage, but it, it can be approached towards finances. Ah, it was a decent month. It was okay. It was fine. We'll be all right. And you don't keep pushing. It's not pedal to the floor.
1: Right. Yeah, that's... That's exactly it. It's one of the things that I, I love about being able to tie the two principles together. Because when I coach somebody, one of the happy side effects that we often see is that their relationships improve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right? Big so time.
1: It's making money along the way and an improved relationship. Their primary relationship changes and shifts. And that's, that's something that people are always shocked about. And it's not something that's like... like <laughs> It's not advertised, right? Like it's a side effect to the work that they're doing and that work being something that they prioritize in every area of their life. They right. become somebody different and they get to start seeing the results in multiple areas.
0: I I think when you really look at the way money comes in, because again, money is kind of like a kind of like a hard skill set. It's easier to quantify, it's easier to look at, it's easier to measure things it's a lot harder to measure the quality of a relationship. But to your point, while we don't advertise that, while we don't advertise that for your coaching, that is absolutely what happens. And in, in some ways, while the money might attract somebody, where a person's like, you know what, I got to get out of debt or I don't feel like the practice is cash flowing nearly as well as it should. In fact, like last year, we went down $200,000. Okay, that's an easy thing to target and say, I want to fix that. But nine times out of 10, you're starting with relationship to yourself and not in some weird egotistical way. It's just like, what are the parts of you that you don't want to look at? Right. Right.
1: right. You know what? This is, we've talked about this too. The truth is we've had such a, such a interesting time with marketing for this reason. <laughs> right. We've had like the marketing and, and I think Dennis can relate like in their, Dental practice can relate to this too, where marketing changes how you would talk to and connect to a person because we start putting this pressure on it to be something that we're not actually.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Right.
1: So dental practices are like, oh, hey, I have this new laser. When the marketing company is like, yes, you have to talk about the new laser. The technology is what, you know, brings all the boys to the yard. So you've got you've got to talk about that. You've got to talk about your paper free system. You've got to talk about all of these things. Like, let's not actually talk about the fact that you're a part of this community. You absolutely love it. This means something to you. This was your mom or dad's practice. Like, we don't talk about those things because we're told that those things are actually pretty irrelevant. Not what people want to hear. Not what gets them to to spend. Right? It's all of that, and it makes it incredibly complex.
0: Nowhere more visible and present than when you go to a dentist bio on the website.
1: Oh my just I
0: graduated right, semi right. magna cum laude. I don't think it's a real thing. Oh, everyone
1: has a dog and loves to hike. I can't oh, yeah. you know and that's the thing We've Chicago
0: t- and I love to hike.
1: <laughs> We've talked about that where <laughs> New York you know, City. It's that has been an evolution for you and I in dentistry as well is how much are we willing to actually show people, right? How much are we, how it's much, hard. how much are we willing to be honest about who we are? Yeah. And we think that we've hit a new level of doing that. And then there's another level to go. How much are we really willing to show my bio? Wouldn't read anything like that. And for a while, I think, especially coming out of school, you feel some kind of way about I, for me personally, I don't like to hike. I don't even terribly like dogs all that much. Like, <laughs> You know, they're, the, you know, the
0: <laughs> well, that brings up uh, another piece of this, which is the innate desire in most people. We're talking about evolution. We're talking about growth. We're talking about movement towards your vision. Most people want to retain control and control looks like hovering above the brake pedal. You know? I want some movement. I want some growth, but in moderation, I want to be able to tap that brake when I need to. And that kills momentum, right? Literally, in physics, it kills momentum. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that when to, to answer your question, really, I think, well, taking on more responsibility has been letting go of more control. The two are an opposite; they're opposite levers in the system. More responsibility, right on. Less control. And that might not seem that way to a lot of people, but the more I've lived life and the more I've ran, you know, businesses, that's what I've experienced.
1: Yeah, I think that's really true. I had a coach, and she would, uh, she would really speak in riddles. (laughs) She would really speak in riddles. And at the time that I had her, some of the riddles I understood, but a large part of them. I just did not get. <laughs> so in the moment, there's that hesitancy of, did I hire the right person to coach me? Mm-hmm. Or is this all made up? Like, you're you're in it. You're in it. You've already committed. There's no getting out of it. And I remember one of the things that she said when I was talking to her about the acceleration of business life, the things that I wanted, getting to the vision, building a new one, all of that. And she was like, yeah, you got to trust faster. Mm. And I was like, are you crazy or a genius? <laughs> and now turns out a genius. Turns out a genius after you know, it's been years since a lot of the conversations that I've had with her. and she was right about the majority of the things she said to me. and in the moment, I didn't understand them because she was at she was speaking to me from such a perspective that I just did not get. Mm-hmm. And now continuing to go and be on the other side of a lot of things a lot of what she said has come back into my ears.
0: I mean, this is why the question of how is irrelevant. It really is. Because when you've made a decision, the how, you know, Nagel always tells us, but he's like, you make a decision and the how will show itself. And even then, right? You're still not getting to know the how, the how shows itself, usually one step at a time. It's like, it's that it's like kind of age old, I think it was, I'm not even an MLK who said this, but talking about faith and what faith is, is like you see one step in front of you. You're climbing uh, a set of stairs and you don't get to see the staircase. You get to see one step and then the next step. And that's actually all that you need. I mean, that's what Jesus said, right? Like I'll provide for you today. Today's worries is enough for today. Today's provisions enough for today. You don't need to know tomorrow. That's not part of the game plan, right? Now, you you can make plans. That's not a problem. But you're not necessarily going to follow your best laid plans. In fact, you and I can say that the majority of our plans have never gone according to the plan.
1: No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Certainly not.
0: Not even a little bit, you know. But how is it? I do, I think, how is the break? How is control? That's the way we use it.
1: For sure. And we want to know the how. Because we want to know that we can survive if it doesn't work.
0: hundred percent. Right? We want to
1: know we can survive if it doesn't work. Here's the thing that I think is really interesting with all the conversations I've had with clients. It always starts like this. Well, what if it doesn't work? Mm-hmm. What if it doesn't? Then what happens? Well, and they don't usually have a great answer that's founded in reality for, right. but what if it doesn't work? Right. And if we start to get somewhere, it's like, okay, well, let's drop insurance. Okay. Well, what if it doesn't work? Okay. Well, what happens? I'll have to close my practice down. Okay. Let's play your game. Obviously, we're not going to have this exodus where the practice has to close down, right? There might be some lean months, but we go to worst case scenario. Okay. Well, the practice has to close down. Okay. And then what? Well, and then I'll lose my house. <laughs> okay. And then I'll end up homeless. Okay. Is any of this really based in reality? You're telling me that all patients will leave completely. Well, no, that, that actually doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it doesn't. Right. Right. Okay. Would you actually end up homeless? You're not, you're telling me you haven't met a soul throughout the duration of your entire life that would let you sleep on their couch. No, I can move in with so-and-so. Okay. So you would actually be okay. Right. You might not like it. You might not like having some patients leave your practice. You might not like having some lean months, but are you really going to end up homeless? Mm-hmm. And when we start to break down these fears, they're more irrational than the goal.
0: Right, right.
1: They're more yeah. irra- they're more crazy than the goal is.
0: Yeah, the faith takes more going backwards and forwards.
1: Right. So I'm like, it, it's easier. It's more plausible for you to imagine yourself homeless than for you to imagine yourself being a fee for service practice. And when you lay it down like that, they can see it.
0: Right. Right.
1: Right. We have to really ask ourselves, what is actually at risk?
0: Well, I think primarily what's at risk for people is their ego. We all have one. Oh, for sure. It rears its head. It's ugly head all the time. And it goes back to wanting to be right versus rich and rich, meaning truly the richness and fullness of life. You know, it's not monetary alone by any stretch.
1: Right. R- um, richness in your marriage. You have to sometimes be wrong to do that. To
0: Oh, most, I would right, say most to, of the time. I mean, you truly have to, like, even in our relationship, that's a large part of it where it's, especially in the moment you really may genuinely believe that you are right. Like, you believe it. It's not like you're just, like, putting up to put up. You're like, no, I really am right about this. And it's way better for love to just forgive and let go. It's just better for love, you know? And, and <laughs> Please make a t-shirt. That's going to be the name of the podcast, Better for Love. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that is that's a really difficult thing to do when you're first trying it out. But it's like all things with momentum. Like the more you do it, the more you start to build up that muscle, the more you start to get a little steam going behind something and you're like, it's a lot easier for me to forgive now. It's a lot easier for me to be um, detached from being wrong in our, or from right in our relationship because it, it it's worked. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I, I have that to, to fall back on. But if you keep doing it with the hesitancy break, looking back, you know don't expect to get anywhere fast. I love what you said about your coach. Like trust faster. That's what trust is. Trust is, trust is fucking terrifying. It's scary. There's nothing easy about it. No, you know? at
1: every moment, will I be okay? Will I not be okay? Will I be okay? Will I not be okay? Right. And that's the trust. I will be okay no matter what. I will be okay no matter what.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm Because you have the ability to decide. Right. That really, you, at any given moment, you can decide, yeah, we're going to stop this this falling backwards. <laughs> we're going to get right back to going forwards.
1: Yeah, that's this particular coach that I'm talking about. She used to say that a lot too. Be like, well, how do I X, right? How, how do I make $100,000 in a month? You just decide. Right? You're like, are you crazy or are you if a genius? It feels like Miyagi
0: and you're like, shut up.
1: Right. Are you crazy <laughs> or are you a genius? I can't decide if this is the best money I spent or the worst.
0: I mean, if someone told me that, my truth, even now, my I'm like, I'm, first part of me would be like, I'm going to punch you. Like, that's not what she I She was for.
1: not wrong. That's just it. It's only until you get layers deeper that you understand that the, the simple, like, that is the whole message is, yeah, you just decide. Right but when you're in the middle of something you're like but how but how but how but how
0: well i tell i tell patients this all the time i tell dentists this all the time smiles do not give people confidence confidence gives them smiles mm. and what i mean by that is you're going to be a person who's like you don't have the outward appearance of confidence right constantly Hovering your hand above your mouth, you don't smile in photos. You know, it's the age old, very cliched dental, like, oh, you're going to have more confidence, blah, blah, blah. This is why, this is why I love teaching things like Credo, all right, our, our case acceptance and confidence in communication course. Why? Because confidence is what a patient has to have, right? Confidence is with trust, with with faith. They have to have trust and faith to buy the smile before they have it. They have to have confidence and trust in you before you've given it to them. That's the confidence. And because they took that step and they got something for it that is a like think of it like memorabilia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Like really good looking
0: memorabilia. Right. I it helps that. to anchor the fact that you had confidence and that builds. That's what does it. And I I really think that like if Dennis could understand that, if all practitioners could understand that, you would actually put way more time and energy into learning how to communicate effectively, like we teach, like I preach, 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 because you would understand that that's the real gift you give to a person. It's not the smile. It's great. But it's the confidence through communication, helping them understand it's okay to trust this. It's okay to be vulnerable. That's the gift you give to a human being.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Cause it's so true on every level. And when you get that, the transformation that's allowed to take place mm-hmm. is incredible. It is. So, but so back to what we were talking about, about like, you know, marketing being this huge question mark. Yeah. How do how do you tell? Cause I've actually seen this happen. So, one of the things that sometimes boggles my mind, for as much as I study people, Mm -hmm. I study them so much because they still boggle my mind.
0: Just a bunch of serial killers running around. Well, that, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a whole, that, that would be my bio when we talk about loving hikes and dogs. So like,
1: like, oh, Loves troop crime. Exactly. Loves, loves to learn about serial killers and always has Vogue Runway open on her phone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let her be here, Dennis. Um, no. So what I was going to ask you is I have seen this happen in real life where you get done lecturing and you say something just like that. Okay. And it blows people's minds. They're like, wow. And they go up to you afterwards and they're like, tell me who you coached with so I can go and get them. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. but I have this course. And they're like, don't, they don't hear. They literally, their ears are blocked and they're like, uh-huh, but, but where, but who was your, how did you do this? And mm-hmm. then uh, so I've, I've watched you just give up and you're like, whatever, uh, our first coach that we worked with that I learned sales from and not sales that applies to dentistry, you have changed and transformed what you've learned from a baseline from David Nagel to be able to create other things on top of all the other learning that you've done. Right. But the question I have for you around that, why isn't saying that, why do you think that saying that isn't good enough for dentists to hear?
0: Oh, was easy. Why, it's easy. why,
1: why don't they, why when you're saying it, And it blows their mind and they say, how can I learn that? And you say, I could teach it to you. And they say, no, thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're so afraid of being sold that they will never sell.
1: Mm, Ouch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I I guess to describe that better, I think that the problem is um, all they're doing is throwing up another layer of insulation. If you really dissect it by putting up a question like that, you're delaying the decision. I'm right there in front of you. You could do it right now. But if you say, who did you coach with? Now you got to go search this person out. Then you're going to have to research them. You're going to have to listen. You're going to get your proof, right? You're just delaying it. Like, don't fuck around with yourself. You're like, you're, you're lying. And I do it too. Like we all do. You don't arrive at some level where you never deal with this problem anymore. There's just different levels to it, but you're always dealing with it. But they are so afraid of the feeling of being sold. Even if it's not a pressure, even if it's not a real thing, right? You just heard something. You're like, I am moved by that. It's wait, now I have to back this decision up with my checkbook calendar and actions. And I'll do that tomorrow.
1: Okay. So, but here's the question. Cause dentists don't mind spending money. So why Would that be the thing that, that they would have fear around, around saying, okay, yes, I want to do this. I want to learn how to communicate this way. And they're like, okay, but well, I don't know. I better look and do this and that, but I I will see that same person in the Chanel store (laughs) (laughs) 30 minutes later, because I'm there too. We don't mind spending money. Right. So that's not it. Right. The money piece. What do you think it is? Is it the, now you're the mental.
0: It's the avoidance of pain.
1: Yeah. I think you're right
0: avoidance of pain um, I mean this is why the pharmaceutical industry is you know trillion dollar industry whatever it is at this point in time people will spend you could put a price tag that's ridiculous on, um, on a weight loss drug and people will spend that knowing that pull ups on a tree branch are fucking free <laughs> stop right now right <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm cursing a little bit, but I get, I get lit about this subject. This subject just, it gets me, it kind of gets me going. Yeah. Well, because I just, it's like, uh, it's like Plato's cave, you know, you're sitting there watching shadow figures and it's like the real world is over here. If you could just break into this, if you just make that decision, your life would be so different, right? You'd actually experience real freedom if you could do this. And you're one decision away from him. But it might be one of the hardest decisions you'll ever make. Because when you make this decision, you now unleash Pandora's box of more decisions. Decision after decision after decision. You'll never stop making them when you do this. Yes. That's why you can't hit the brake. Right?
1: Yes. We we know that. We It started off to the point when we went to David. Right? Yeah. So our very first coach that we went to is David Nagel. And when we started going to him... It was a Pandora's box, stuff that we had never heard, seen, thought about, Mm -hmm. contemplated. It just opened up this whole world. And truly, we've never went back.
0: Never. Did we have every hesitation in the book prior to that point in time? 100%. But yeah, once we made it, you know, I had the same question that people have, which is, I'm going to spend this, but like, then I'm good, right? Like I've spent the money that I need to, to like learn this. That was my thinking.
1: It's a very, very
0: finite way of looking at things. It's a very scared and fearful way of looking at things. Once I invest this, am I good? And you're like, no, that's the beginning, dog.
1: (laughs) Price of admission.
0: Price of admission. But that is also the reason why it's so hard to move money when you're like that. It's It's the reason why it's so difficult to have a vibrant relationship. It's the reason why it's so difficult to make meaningful memories in your life. It's because that thinking is start, stop, start, stop, start, stop versus what, what's another word for money? Currency. It's constantly in flow. And so you make a decision to make more of it. You'll make more of it. And then you're going to have to spend more of it. And then you're going to make more of it. And you're going to spend more of it. You will take zero of it with you. That's not the goal. The goal is not a number. The goal is to be a very effective, I, I would say like, it's, it's not the amount of money flowing through you. It's to become a wider and wider conduit so that more can go through you passing on to other people that your capacity would enlarge.
1: Going back to what we started this conversation with, how do you expand your capacity for more and more? Right. So whether right. it's more money, more opportunity, right? It is, it goes back to holding the void.
0: And everyone's like, "I want to do bigger and better things, man. I want to, you know, I want my, I want my practice to do X, or I, I really want to help this population or whatever it is." And instead of widening that conduit to account to it to a larger capacity, every time they say, "Well, who did you work with, or can I do that, or can I hesitate a little bit longer?" All they're doing is constricting,
1: mm-hmm. not
0: expanding. Constricting. It's and one so, of the
1: reasons I'm so obsessed with our private clients. Oh. I'm. I absolutely love them. I, yeah. you know, those relationships are very deep and very important to me, and I get to watch these people be brave, like, consecutively in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's like they they just line up decisions and knock them down.
0: Oh yeah, and you know it's crazy too. It's we talk about relationships getting better, enhancing, improving. So much of relationship stress. I use that word very intentionally is that you keep holding on to things from the past, right? These, these track records. And think about a conduit. Again, like same analogy. As you constrict it, what do you do? You increase pressure. You actually increase stress. And that is that, you know, it obviously goes by lots of different names. There's the abundance mindset more, and then there's the scarcity mindset. The concept's really the same, which is that you want to hold on to every last little memory fault money, whatever it is, you want to hold on to it because you don't know when you're going to get the next one. It is a lack of faith and its ultimate pinnacle of fear. If you can't get past those things, which FYI, the only way you get past it is making a decision that you will get past it. There is no pill. There is no magic surprise. There's no snake oil. It's just you choosing, right? It's a, decisions are free. Can't sell them.
1: Right. Right. Because it's who, it's who you become in the making of that decision that changes everything.
0: Everything being married to somebody who does not hold on to past memories and hold them against you, a track record, you know, past decisions in your business where you might have failed, you might've struggled, you might've done something stupid or a CE course. You're like, that didn't really work out. Like, can you trust again? Can you trust fast?
1: Can you trust fast? And also can you, I think there is such value in going back to that circumstance that may bring you shame or guilt Hmm. and looking at it from a new perspective of what did you get out of it though? Right. Did you get a lesson out of, I signed up for the wrong reason, I committed to the wrong thing, or I didn't commit and that could have actually changed everything. What is the lesson that you paid for? You paid for something, right? Maybe you didn't pay for the thing that you thought you were going to get, but you did get something out of it. And going back and doing an inventory is so powerful.
0: Right. Because you can
1: still extract the lesson from something that brings pain or shame in the past to make that lesson relevant today so that you don't have to Mm -hmm. relearn it.
0: You know, a lot of dentists are more of an engineer type mind, right? So it's research ad infinitum. And it's just like, wow, okay. You're never going to make a decision. Well, research is important. Don't get me wrong. It absolutely is. This is how we know what evidence-based dentistry really should be. What should we be practicing? How are we improving materials? It's done through research. But people don't research things just to get a good idea of what the lay of the land is. They're trying to improve something with a physical, with a physical product, material, whatever it is. Research has a goal is what I'm getting at. And that goal was made before you started doing the research. The research is just so that you can make the thing. But we use research with decision making as dentists in a very, very perverse way, which is I'm going to do research on this thing to decide if I want to do it. You didn't decide ahead of time. I'm going to do this thing. I just need to find the right person to work with. I'm going to do it. Now, these are my criteria. This is what I'm looking for. Now I go do my research. Person matches up. Here's my credit card. You use it to then go back home and make a decision. That's a problem. You didn't make the decision beforehand. You're going to make it if something proves itself to you. That's the problem.
1: Yeah. And think about once you retrain that, I would say you and I now at this stage, because we've retrained that are a lot of fun to work with as, as we are customers. Mm -hmm. I, when I find somebody, I don't get, I don't even need a sales call. I've right. already decided. I'm like, hey, already did my research, already knew what I was looking for. When can we get started? Let me pay. Let's move on. Right? Right. We do that with a lot of things. We just already know. We already pay. We get to work. Right. How amazing is that when those people show up in your practice?
0: Oh, they're, they're, they're the absolute best patients. They're the best patients. Right.
1: And their energy is excited. They're like, I found you. They're they are like, I found you. And you're like, you found me. It's such a cool thing. <laughs>
0: What's funny though, is that I think, well, I know this because A, I used to think this and B, when we work with dentists and when they come out to our practice, um, this, is, this is what they say. It's like, well, you have a rich demographic, right? You got a lot of rich people and those are the ones coming with brown bags of cash and just saying yes. Well, it's interesting. A, that's completely not true. It's just not. It's patently false. There are plenty of very wealthy people who can't make a decision to save their life on something like this. And there are those who, it might be some of their last last cash. But they know that this is the thing. They've made a decision on it already in their mind. This is going to be the thing. They have confidence, right? This is going to change my life and I'm going to make it happen. I'm betting on me. Okay, that's the fundamental piece of that. But also... Is there a larger subset of, quote unquote, more wealthy people who perhaps are easier decision makers? Yeah, that's why they're wealthy. I don't know how else to tell you. Right. Like that's the truth. Right. If if you do have more money, it's probably because if it wasn't inherited, it's because you can make decisions quickly. And we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and we're going to do this. Decision is, that's everything.
1: My private clients only get to me when they've made the decision. Yeah. We, we'll talk about, you know, here's the specific things that they're wanting, but they're, they're are, we're already in. Right. We're already ready to go. We're already ready yeah. to, to do the damn thing.
0: And they're the ones that 3 and 4x what they thought was possible. Right. You know, it's, right. it's not that they don't think they can get their ROI. It's that they had no clue they'd make it that big. Right. And in as many areas, to your point, it's not just financial... Really, I think your focus, your focus as a coach, as a high performance, elite level coach in dentistry, I think is its relationship. You're a master of relationships. And it's first relationship with self, and then it's relationship to how you lead your team, how you lead your family, how you show up as a supportive role, like all those different things. And as a result, you're also very good at the financial side because it flows from those things right the better you are in relationship with your patients guess what they're going to pay you more i are going to say yes more often this is not rocket science it's not because you're more talented literally no one cares there are lots of incredibly talented dentists around the world and they're broke af and it sucks yeah it sucks because i know that they're good we see them and they'll come to us i right? get their dms You know, or they have such incredible talents and they're saying, how do I do more of this because I'm struggling to keep the lights on? You know, that's
1: and it's such a great question to ask, because I think um, not that you have to get to that point, but when you do, that is actually such a beautiful moment. Because in that moment, everything can change, right? Because to the point, that's when we really start letting go of needing to be right. You're like, oh my gosh, I'll be wrong all day. Just show me how to get out of this. (laughs) You and I were those people when we went to David. We had had the experience of doing a lot of really amazing things. And then it just felt like it stopped, which is why we went to him. We were like, I don't know. All of our magic is broken. Can you help us yeah, fix it? I used to be lucky.
0: Yeah, we we said that. We're like <laughs> uh,
1: like things used to just click, flow, things were easy, and now we're we're broken. How can you help us fix this? Right. And um yeah, he had, you know, smaller courses and so you could go up to the microphone and ask him a question for that admission price. Otherwise, you were paying his private fee, which we could not afford at the time. Right. So we were getting up to that microphone and just like letting it all hang out the most vulnerable parts to oh, yeah. a room full of people because we wanted answers. I don't care if I have to say the most uh, insane, embarrassing thing up at this microphone full of a room mm-hmm. full of people. I'm going to get my answer because I'm not going home without it.
0: Yeah, the, the pain was, was already at that fever pitch that we were willing to do anything. The decision was made. Well, if we can't afford it financially at that price point... We will afford it through our ego being kicked to the curb. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we'll stamp all we will. <laughs> we,
1: we will pay for it in embarrassment in front of this crowded room of people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, totally. Oh my goodness, yeah. But I
1: love those people. I love those people because we, we were those people, just willing to. I'm going to make this work no matter what. I've got. To, I've got to try. 100%. I've got to, I've got to see it to the end.
0: You know, it is one of those things that when you finally get a chance to look back at your own list of decisions up till now and the ones that you're going to have to make moving forward or perhaps get to make. And you look at clients and we look at docs who have taken courses with us and have really done some pretty exceptional things, small things, middle things, great things. They've, they've done it all. And, and some sadly who who didn't, there's an interesting commonality through it all. And it's that the ones who decided to show up with everything that they had because it meant so much to them. You could tell like it was a do or die. They had this really interesting shift from feeling and carrying the weight and the burden of the responsibility that they knew they had to take on. I have to take another another step. I get to get to a different level. It was matched with a certain sense of ease and Excitement and fun—that was literally like lock and step, right? With that, you make the decision, feels scary, and then get to work. And the work is fun. The work is actually not nearly as terrifying as you think that it is. You're almost always pleasantly surprised. And I would tell listeners that, like, this is not, this is not go work harder, go kill yourself to do this thing. It's that's not what this is. Decisions are all the hard work. That that really is it. Can you say no to yourself in this way and yes to yourself in that way?
1: Yeah. Well, that's what we have for the people today.
0: For the people. Yeah. (laughs) Always fun chatting with you.
1: Yeah, this is fun.
0: We need to get some food.
1: Yeah, I think so. All right. Got to go to dinner, everybody.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening, y'all. Talk to you soon.